Hello, lovely listeners. I wanted to pop in with a couple of notes before we get started with this episode. First, this is not the Macbeth episode I promised last time. Uh, I wanted to do better research for that episode, and I had this one recorded, so I moved up this episode. And then made it a couple days late, because holidays. Yay! Now, a little disclaimer about this episode. Um, Dr. Lisa Grogan and I are talking about Portia from Julius Caesar, Um, Within that, there is a significant discussion about self-harm and suicide, so if those are subjects that bother you, this may be an episode you want to skip. And with that, on with the show. I have made strong proof of my constancy, giving myself a voluntary wound here in the thigh. Can I bear that with patience and not my husband's secrets? Portia in Julius Caesar, Act 2, Scene 1. Brutus's wife Portia has a tiny part in Julius Caesar, but there's a lot to unpack there. We are introduced to Portia when she stabs herself in the leg to prove her loyalty to Brutus. Then she has a clear panic attack when he goes to stab Caesar. Finally, we get the news that she committed suicide after being overwhelmed with anxiety about Brutus's fate. See what I mean? There's a lot there. So I decided this would be an excellent topic for me to discuss with my dear friend Dr. Grogan and see what treatment options would be available to Portia today. This does get a little heavy, but please join us as we dive into the psyche of Portia. Hello, and welcome to Breaking Bard, a Ripe Good Scholar podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, also known as Ripe Good Scholar on a tiny corner of the internet. I'm here today with my friend, Dr. Lisa Grogan. Hello. Officially doctor. Yes. (laughs) Officially temporarily licensed as of yesterday. Yay. Um... And so today we're doing another episode where we look at a Shakespeare character and talk about, you know, what was maybe going on in that <laughs> space. Um, this one will be a little less, I guess, fact-filled. A little more speculative. Yeah, because, well, we're, we're talking about Portia, Brutus's wife from Julius Caesar. And while she was a real person, and it looks like Shakespeare pretty much took from the record for Julius Caesar, we're, you know, a few thousand years removed. Yeah, We can just kind of take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. And compared to the last one that I was on when we were talking about Henry VI, now we're talking about someone who's 1,400 years before Henry VI, and now we're 2,000 years, a woman who records were not, you know, record keeping for women was not what it was for men. And Henry obviously was royal, whereas Portia was not. So yeah, <laughs> even and, more trouble knowing what accurately was happening. And even within the play, she's not in it very much. Mm. Um, but I wanted to pick her just because she's not in it very much, but there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> like you're reading, you're like, oh, Portia. <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> 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 you need- we need to get you some therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we'll kind of start with just the basics of that. Portia married Brutus. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the record, she was just like completely and utterly devoted to him, completely loved him. Um, to marry her, he had to divorce his first wife. Mm-hmm. Which apparently caused some division mm. in the family. Some like apparently his mom really liked Claudia, but some <laughs> didn't of his like allies, the new woman. Uh, really liked <laughs> Portia. Plus, they were cousins, so we'll just oh, okay, yay, like you do, exactly. <laughs> when we get to the point where they're actually getting ready to execute Caesar, mm-hmm. well, murder Caesar, really. I don't know. That's a, that's a different episode. I'd say murder. <laughs> when we get to the point where they're actually on the brink of stabbing Caesar mm-hmm. is when we really see into Portia's mind a little more. Up to that point, it was more... The records seemed to be more of what was happening to Portia. Where was okay. she getting married? Gotcha. Whereas, you know, Brutus and the co-conspirators come up with this plan... And we really get the first look into kind of Portia's inner workings. Yeah, inner workings. I kind of wanted to be like problem solving skills, but I don't know if that's... Uh. So anyway, Brutus is being very secretive about mm-hmm. these plans because obviously it would be disastrous for word to get out that... They're trying to stab Caesar. Caesar, right? Although word does get out and Caesar's just like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> It'll be all right. I'm Caesar. Um, or Caesar's Caesar. I don't know how that works. He talked in the third person. Or at least wrote in the third person. <laughs> um, so anyway, Portia wanted to prove that she could handle her husband's secrets. That, that she was capable of keeping his secrets. And, you know, even if she had to, you know work through pain to do it. So she stabbed herself in the thigh. <laughs> that's that's one way to do it. Um, so from a from a psych's perspective, when I hear that someone has done something to harm themselves, particularly when it's non-suicidal self-injury, my first thought is let's look at some borderline traits and I don't mean borderline as in like in between two things capital B borderline so there is borderline personality disorder um, and then you can have just traits of it where there's some stuff there but you don't meet full criteria for it Um, and of the personality disorders borderline is probably the most researched and we have the most uh, to treat it Um, like the most interventions for it. And part of that is because individuals with borderline personality disorder are more likely to make contact with the mental health system and the healthcare system. Um, They more frequently engage in self-harm activities that may land them in the hospital. Um, They may use suicide in or suicidal threats in a very instrumental way of um, trying to get what they want or a lot of times people with borderline personality disorder like they experience very intense emotions 
And so it's easier for them to become more overwhelmed by circumstances and not know what to do with that feeling and therefore turn to self-harm as a way to cope with that. That sounds a lot like Portia. Yes. Kind of overwhelmed <laughs> with emotion. <laughs> now, in her defense, I suppose, Brutus is apparently pumped at this show of... <laughs> loyalty because he apparently like knelt down and prayed about what a great wife he had and it's like Brutus Brutus not helping here dude not helping <laughs> like and with any you know any mental health disorder like the environment plays such a role mm-hmm. and so particularly with borderline personality disorder um we know that there is often a genetic predisposition, an environmental cause, and we often see it in people who have had very chaotic backgrounds. Um, so people who either, you know, were bouncing around the foster care system or an inconsistent caregiver, or um, oftentimes we see it in survivors of childhood trauma. And having someone who reinforces these patterns of connection seeking is not going to help them go away (laughs) yeah so what's interesting uh, is with that now we don't know much about her like young childhood right right who was who was writing about what was it Cato was her dad yeah Cato's daughter (laughs) yeah you know, so I think really because she is Cato's daughter is the only reason we know anything Anything, about her right um But she was really young, still very young, when her father divorced her mother for adultery. Mm. Now, divorce is pretty willy-nilly in Rome. Mm -hmm. But still. Yeah. That still had to be tough, especially because, you know, and I don't know so much... I I didn't have enough time to look into, like, how marriage worked at Rome because (laughs) I don't understand it. (laughs) Um... You know, how much the kind of the adultery accusation would have followed her mother, what that would have meant for her. But when we do start getting into her being of marrying age, Mm -hmm. although, so we know she was born between 73 BC and 64 BC. Okay. And she married her first husband, um, I'll just call him Bibulus. Marcus Calpurnius Bibulus, but I'm just going to refer to him as Bibulus from now on, because everybody's named Marcus. Yes. <laughs> um, she married him between 58 and 53 BC, which, like, I looked up and it was like, so she was somewhere between, like, 10 and, like, 25. And I'm like... <laughs> That's a big so, range. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, you know, so then there's debate over he had a son... Was she old enough to even give birth to said son? Right, right. But what we see in kind of, I guess, not necessarily like her formative years, but possibly her like teen years. Yeah. You know, young adulthood years is she's married to Bibulus, this other guy, Hortensius, who's way older, Mm. like wants to marry her. And Mm -hmm. Bibulus is like, no. Yeah. And then he's like, can I just borrow her for a little while and then you can have her back? Which was apparently common at the time, which again, this is why I'm like, what is Roman marriage even? But Biblia said no. Uh, He died when Julius Caesar overthrew Pompey. Okay. 
so yeah yeah well and oh and then her father committed suicide oh delightful um <laughs> so, <laughs> let's throw a little some bit more, of turmoil in her right life. let's throw some more trauma on there well and particularly with um borderline personality disorder because that's the one that we know the most about it's patterns of behavior that worked at one point and don't anymore and because it's it's patterns of behavior that develop in childhood and become pervasive enough to be a personality disorder this isn't just like oh i you know was in a car accident and now i freak out driving like that's more like an encapsulated you know ptsd kind of thing but with when we cross over into a personality disorder it is pervasive in all areas of their life and we see things like individuals who you know were either only got attention from caregivers when they had a big emotional reaction or were told to you know were punished for having emotions Mm -hmm. things like that that interrupt normal emotional development we tend to see more in individuals with borderline personality Um, plus that genetic predisposition to just experience emotions a little bit more intensely Mm -hmm. Um, we often see a lot of like these swinging between extremes like not only extremes of emotion but extremes within relationships like i love you i hate you kinds of things so um again with the whole like being very devoted to brutus and and that kind of thing um it would not surprise me if within their household there was probably more turmoil in the marriage than we know about. Yeah. What I find interesting about that is is it always says that she was utterly devoted to Brutus. Right. Not they were utterly devoted to each other, not right. Brutus loved Portia. It was Portia loved Brutus. Yes. Yes. And we can see that sometimes where people with BPD are more devoted to their partner than their partner is to them. Um, and there are issues with the diagnosis of BPD and things like that. Um, for a variety of reasons, we tend to see it more in women. And part of that is that in general, women are more likely to seek treatment for mental health care issues. So it's hard to make an accurate, you know, diagnosis of that. There's also issues with men who display the same um, behaviors are more often diagnosed with a, with antisocial personality disorder, whereas women are more often diagnosed with borderline. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because what I found when we were talking about genetic disposition earlier, after reading that her father committed suicide, yeah, it made me wonder, like, I don't know much about Cato. I didn't right. look into him. I only have so much time in the day. <laughs> but... You know, the fact that we know one of her parents committed suicide I, yeah. is, is just, I guess, for me, an interesting thing to know when looking at possible genetic history. Right, right. Absolutely. And that, you know, again, like, it's hard to say, like, okay, so he divorced her mom for adultery. But like you said, you know, if divorce was really common then, I don't know that that's... I don't know that that's any kind of unique marker for anything. Yeah, see, that's unfortunately just... I. I, I tried to look up a YouTube video on Roman marriage or some sort of short <laughs> intro to there no. is none. <laughs> yeah. I tried and, to listen to a lecture and I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. And it's also, so 
we very commonly see in individuals with BPD a history of specifically childhood sexual trauma. And I don't know how common that was or wasn't in Rome. And then we're getting into like cultural norms of marrying women off when they're 10. And I say women, even though I really mean children. Yeah. You know, and that just it complicates the issue. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the that's kind of the hard part with you know, this being so far removed from where we are today is that, you know, I know a little bit about Rome, so I have to say that if I did find out that there was likely some sort of sexual com- component to her childhood, I yeah. wouldn't be, like, shocked. Yeah, so I wouldn't be shocked and appalled. Like, I think really, you know, throughout history, you know, society I- has frequently married off well, and I know people that... People at young ages, particularly I'm pretty sure girls. it was Rome. I'm a little rustier on my Roman history. But I believe it was Rome where, like, young boys were often being yeah. put in sexual relationships with men. So yes, because that, just... that was very traditional. And I know, it, at least in the Greek, I know it oh, was. Oh, Greek. Because you have, like, that's where we get, like, the root of pedophilia and things like that. Um, And Rome was very based off, you know, Roman and Greek culture were not terribly removed from each other. Yeah. And particularly given some of the hedonism, often, of Mm -hmm. Rome, it would not, again, it would not shock me (laughs) to know that, you know, sexual abuse of children was rampant at that point. Um, Yeah. You know, which means it probably wasn't documented. Yeah. And also, when we're looking at this, you know, the characteristics of borderline personality disorder, um, as far as, you know, having really intense emotions Mm -hmm. and having trouble connecting with other people and kind of inappropriate emotions and self-harm and things like that it's it's become so associated with like female hysteria essentially mm-hmm. that it has been minimized yeah. throughout history so things like you know Portia it's like oh she's just a crazy woman she can't handle her emotions you yeah. know and so no one looks deeper yeah and i think that's kind of one of the things that really intrigued me with Portia because you know there's this scene again based on uh, something that apparently actually happened mm-hmm. of when Brutus goes to Senate that day, mm-hmm. the day they're going to stab Caesar, she cannot handle herself. Mm-hmm. She's like calling in a messenger and then she's like, no, never mind, go away. No, <laughs> come back. Go check on Brutus. And he's like, why? <laughs> and she's like, just go go to Brutus and come back and let me know. Yeah. And, he, and, and, and he's just like, is there a message? And she's like, no, no, just see how he is. It's fine. You know, and it's just clearly this moment of, I'm like, she is freaking she, out. Yeah. She is crawling out of her skin in that moment. And it's so one of the characteristics, like actually it's the very first criteria to diagnose BPD when you look it up is frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Um, well, so and so she was worried he was going to die. Right. She was worried he was going to die. And that's where 
when we see that coupled with the very intense emotions that people with BPD experience, that can lead to these very dramatic scenes. Mm -hmm. And so it would not have surprised me if, you know, she did something extreme in that moment to hurt herself or things like that. It's not, it's not written that way. I don't know that. She apparently fainted. Yeah. That she was so worked up that she passed out and her maids feared that she was dying. Right. And especially with that intense level of emotion. Like if you think about like your decision-making skills, when you're experiencing a really intense emotion, like I don't know about you, but mine aren't great. Yeah, mine aren't great either. And for someone who, you know, was so devoted to Brutus is now terrified. She's potentially losing him. Can't self-regulate at all. And is just experiencing intense emotion all over the place. Like that makes sense. And also, a lot of people just in general understand kind of social norms of not, they don't want to look like the crazy person. Yeah. So even if she's freaking out, there's still a part of her that's like, no, don't look like the crazy person. Yeah. So she's like, no, I'm not going to send the messenger because that looks desperate, but I'm really, really freaking out and I've yeah. really got to do something, but I don't want to look desperate, you know? So there is that push pull that yeah. we see played out. Yeah, and then, you know, like I said, she fainted that time. And then Brutus, after they stab Caesar, they the conspirators have to flee. Right, right. They had to leave. And <laughs> What, you can't just stab the emperor and then go home for yeah, dinner? But it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just, Mark Anthony gave a better speech, so Brutus had to flee. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and just, this is from the Wikipedia page, but it, I think it just put it perfectly. It was agreed that Portia should stay in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, they were all probably like, hey, Brutus. <laughs> maybe don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe she should stay here, which apparently just overwhelmed her with grief. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially because she didn't know at any given moment was he alive or dead. Oh yeah, at war. Yeah, you know? and 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 even if you know, even if we weren't talking about someone who may or may not have had traits of borderline personality disorder, like that's a scenario that you're gonna freak out in. You know, yeah. if this is you know someone that you love. And you don't know if they're alive or dead. And obviously we don't have, you know, cell phones that you can, you know, text and <laughs> make yeah. sure that people are okay. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Just stab Caesar. <laughs> stab Caesar. Gotta go now. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Kiss face. Uh, <laughs> but, and then what's interesting to me. So, you know, Portia's story ends with, in the play, her very clear suicide. Yes. Um, historically, there's more debate over whether or not she committed suicide or got sick and died. Um, but in the play, what I find very interesting is that when Brutus gets the news <laughs> that she died, he's just like, oh, well. <laughs> you know, and, and there's just that part of you that's like, he was probably kind of tired at that point. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's the thing. Unfortunately, so especially when you really understand how BPD develops, you realize that all of these behaviors are people desperately seeking connection. Mm -hmm. One of the criteria for BPD is 
chronic feelings of emptiness. So in addition to experiencing these extreme emotions, a lot of times people feel very empty inside. Um, there's a very unstable sense of identity. So they don't know who they are on their own and they're desperately seeking connection with someone else and they just don't know how to do it and they're experiencing these intense emotions and unfortunately that creates a lot of behaviors that are very annoying to other people and which then drives them further away which then creates these even more desperate behaviors which drives people further away and it's it's this perpetuating cycle but I you know you you kind of see both sides where it's like Brutus was probably tired of her stuff but you also see her side of it. Exactly. And I think with with Brutus, what I f- found interesting was that he originally, whether she died of natural causes or suicide, both stories agree that he was angry at her friends for not keeping a closer eye on her. Mm-hmm. Um, which if we look at it strictly from she committed suicide, you know, he was aware yeah. Like, he was aware of her state of mind when he was in Athens and she was in Rome. Right. 2,000 years ago. Like, <laughs> that wasn't easy information to get. Right. You know, so he, yes, he was gone for probably about two years mm. before she finally died. But he knew right. that she was in some sort of state. Um, yes. You know, right now, like I said, we're working based off the play that she committed suicide, which we'll get to how in a second. Yeah. But like I said, there had to be some sort of communication between either him and her or him and the people around her. Right. And that's especially when someone dies like and not you know like oh they were old and lived a good life and passed away and there's like you know when people die you know younger more suddenly oftentimes people who survive them feel a lot of guilt and there's a sense you know of blaming other people and it's a way to deflect the blame and the guilt that they feel themselves so that you know we can read it through the lens of history of kind of like you know, oh, what a jerk that, like, he ran off for two years and then when, you know, she couldn't cope anymore and died that now he's mad at her friends, you know, but we can also look at it as a man who, you know, even if he was tired of her behaviors, still loved his wife, still cared for her, and was 2,000 miles away or however far Athens is from Rome, I don't even know, um, but was far away and couldn't be there for her. And so now he's lashing out at the Mm -hmm. people that were there. He needs someone to blame and he can't be angry at her or maybe he is, but her friends are a good target. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and what's interesting with that kind of now that we've hopped over to Brutus real (laughs) quick, because I think there's some there too, for sure. Yes. Um, is that in the play, him and Cassius get in a fight. And at the end of the fight, Cassius is kind of like, what is your deal, Brutus? Mm-hmm. And that's when Brutus is like, oh, I just found out my wife died. Oh. And you're just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's how you find out Portia died, is that he, he got mad at Cassius. Yeah. And Cassius kind of like, what's, what's going on, bro? Right. And, you know, which... <clears throat> That opens the door to looking at very gendered stereotypes of expressing emotion and things like that, 
um, where oftentimes throughout history and even today, it's not acceptable for men to have any emotion but anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, coupled with, especially if he felt some sense of responsibility, he mm-hmm. may be really angry at himself. He may be wanting to lash yeah. out. Anger is a very natural response to trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do often see men, you know, kind of picking fights as their way of, you know, getting some of that anger out and things yeah. like that, which then lends itself even more to being diagnosed with not BPD, yeah. <laughs> you know, because they express it differently. Yeah. And um, so circling back to Portia. Yes. Because Portia, you know, again, I will say there is some debate amongst historians right. of exactly how and when Portia died. But um, most people think she committed suicide most, I guess, a lot of modern historians still believe she committed suicide. Now, in the play, and according to the record, it was reputedly by swallowing hot coals. Which is rather dramatic. (laughs) Um, So, over the past couple of decades, there's been a lot more research done on individuals who die by suicide or make near fatal attempts and just really suicide research in general and things like that um really the past couple decades we've come a long way and right now within the field the theory that most people subscribe to myself included is what's called the interpersonal theory of suicide um and because I'm a grad student I gotta cite my sources it was Thomas Joyner so I will get you an APA-cited source if you need it. Um, But his theory is that in order for someone to make a near-fatal attempt or uh, die by suicide, there have to be three things present. Um, Thwarted belongingness, um, perceived burdensomeness, and the acquired capability for lethal self-injury, which is a really long way of saying humans didn't evolve to kill ourselves, and it's really hard for us to get over that evolutionary hump. So that's why we, we see that when we look back at individuals who have died by suicide, there may be previous attempts or thrill-seeking, things that raise that threshold of self-harm, which is why we do also see it in people with borderline personality disorder because of the tendency that we see in cutting behaviors and non-suicidal self-injury in those individuals. Um, Interestingly, and lending weight to that theory, we tend to see individuals with um, eating disorders, if they attempt suicide, it tends to be by more lethal means and more extreme means, because these are people who have already overcome the biological need to eat, so overcoming the biological desire to stay alive is easier. All of that to say... For a first attempt out of the blue to swallow hot coals is interesting. (laughs) Well, part of what makes me wonder... So, there... There's some debate over this letter. Some people saying there's way too much divulged in the letter Mm -hmm. for it to possibly be genuine. But we have a letter where it says she was under strict watch of her friends, Mm -hmm. which is part of the reason Brutus was kind of like, how'd this happen? Right. Um, but 
It says, whereupon she snatched up live coals from the fire, swallowed them, kept her mouth fast closed, and thus made away with herself. And the fact that she was apparent, if, if this story is true, she was under close watch at the right. time. Which, to get really speculative here, makes me wonder, was that her first attempt? Right. You know, because she was clearly in some sort of state that they felt the need to keep an eye on her. Yeah. To the point where, you know, even Brutus was like, how did this happen? Right. You guys, because he almost has this attitude of like, you guys were supposed to prevent this from happening. Right. Yeah. And... And my theory, if, again, going on the premise that if that was how she died, that would be my guess is that that was not a first attempt. Yeah. Um, also, this is where, like, my nerdy brain, like, I really want to research, like, how easy it is to die by swallowing hot coals. Because that sounds like basically all she had to do was, like, swallow a couple, clamp her hand over her mouth and was gone. And I don't know if it's that quick. I doubt it was that fast. <laughs> but my guess is that I know that bleeding in your esophagus yeah. can cause big problems. Right. So one would assume, you know, I don't know. Are there fourth degree burns? Like, <laughs> I feel like burning I feel in- like hot coals on your insides. That would be yeah, third degree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So also one of the things that often comes up with individuals with BPD is that because of the way that they tend to make connections and they may have these you know, self-harm attempts that seem to be, I, I hate using the term attention seeking, Mm. but that seem to be, you know, looking for attention, looking for connection, things like that. Um, there's often a push that, oh, we don't need to hospitalize. They don't really mean it. They're just looking for attention, et cetera, et cetera, which one is very dismissive of someone who's clearly going through some stuff, Mm -hmm. but people can accidentally kill themselves if, you know, they think they're going to be discovered and someone gets stuck in traffic and doesn't come home, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And the idea of she was on watch and kind of all of a sudden snatched up some hot coals and stuck them in her mouth, like that seems to have a communication factor to it. Like it wasn't very sneaky and I don't, I don't quite know what to make of that. Mm -hmm. Um, unless, you know, if she was in the middle of a particularly large emotional reaction to something and did it. Um, but yeah, I would agree, especially like you said, that if, you know, they thought they felt the need to watch her. Yeah. And part of me wonders too, cause like, I remember reading that part in the play because mm-hmm. th- this what started this whole thing as I read that part of the play. I was like, that is not how she did it. And <laughs> I was like, oh, it might be. Oh, it might be. Is a little bit of, is that literally all that was there that could hurt her? Right. You know, that she was just trying to find something and then it, it worked. Yeah. Now, yeah. when I did originally look it up... Um, because I was just, why? Why, Portia? Um, there was some speculation that she possibly essentially shut herself in, an, you know, in mm. a poorly ventilated room with a burning fire. Okay. Right. And died of 
carbon monoxide poisoning. But my only thing with that was... Would she have known? That carbon monoxide would kill you? Yeah. See, I feel like at some point, some peasant somewhere got stuck somewhere and died. Like, for everything that the Romans knew, I feel like someone stumbled on this knowledge at some point. Yeah, that, like, being in a unventilated room with a fire it was bad, bad yeah bears. yeah um but like especially with what you said about like the hot coals may have been the only thing available to her that would lend some you know if that is what happened and they were watching her i could absolutely believe that um yeah. you know as much as we like to think that you know psych hospitals are super safe and for the most part they are um they're you know suicide attempts do occur in psych hospitals even with all the safety measures that we have now um you know people do find ways to hurt themselves and things like that so absolutely you know out of desperation that may have happened yeah so it just Portia was an interesting person to me Mm -hmm. just because you know I, I try to think of you know because they stabbed Caesar in 44 BC mm-hmm. and for the most part the records are in agreement that she died in 42 BC okay some people say 43 but so she spent a year or two mm-hmm. kind of in this Brutus is gone right emotional storm cloud yeah and even in people who don't have BPD, it's much easier to idealize someone when they're not there to prove you wrong. <laughs> so um, we see that sometimes if people have someone close to them who passes away suddenly, that it's like, oh, they, you know, lit up a room when they walked in and, you know, all of these like super glowing things that they used to describe people because the real person is not there to prove them wrong. So it's very possible that Portia was spending this time, you know, pining for this perfect love that she had with Brutus because he wasn't there to shatter that image, you know, and so very possibly she could have, you know, worked herself up. Yeah to the point of doing something. So if Portia were alive today, what would her options be? Uh, The first thing would be DBT. So, um, well, one, like, let's stop trying to kill ourselves. Therapy doesn't work if you're dead. So let's let's knock that out. Um, There's a couple different ways to treat chronic suicidal behavior, um, which people with BPD tend to have. And... One is CAMS, the Collaborative Assessment and Management of Suicidality. It's a therapeutic assessment tool, um, and it's shown a lot of efficacy in reducing suicidal um, ideation and behaviors in about 12 sessions or so. Um, So as far as treating the like emotional extremes and not being able to connect with other people and that kind of thing. Um, the best gold standard that we have is dialectical behavior therapy. It was actually developed by a lady who has BPD and was in and out of hospitals herself and was like, we don't have a great way to treat this. So she went and got herself a doctorate and created it. (laughs) Nice. Um, 
impressive. Absolutely. And uh, we actually use it for a lot of different things. Like it's, it's one of my go-tos. It has a huge book of handouts. Like even people who don't have BPD, I pull from DBT all the time. Um, it teaches skills in a really relatable way. And so there's like full DBT, which is, um, I think it's two hours of group therapy a week, at least one hour of individual. And then there's like phone coaching and something like, it's very structured. It's intense. Um, and it's very structured and they have a lot of rules of like, if an individual in who's in full DBT, um, engages in self-harm behaviors, like none of the therapists will have any contact with them for at least 24 hours. Um, it's a like behavioral kind of thing of not rewarding that behavior because you're given skills ahead of time and you're said, okay, if you're having the urge to self-harm, here's the steps I want you to take before you do it. If you go through those, you know, we're good. But if you don't use those steps and go to that, then you know, I mean, we'll call the hospital, obviously, like we're not yeah. just going like, to leave you out, you know, um, but it's not going to be the therapist rushing to your bedside of, you know, mm. oh my gosh, how could you do this to me? You know, yeah. um, off the top of my head, I don't know of anywhere that does full DBT. I'm sure I could find yeah. out what most people do is DBT informed care, which is what I do. And so that's where you kind of pick and choose the parts of DBT, mm-hmm. um, that work for you. So... Okay. Usually if I'm doing it, um, I'll just kind of start talking to somebody and be like, okay, you know, here's the units the DVT has. What are you having the most trouble with? Let's start, you know, there and that kind of thing. Um, so girl needs some emotion regulation skills because clearly she cannot regulate. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. That was one of the first things. Like I said, just, I mean, seriously, within the first few minutes of meeting Portia, she's like, look, I stabbed myself. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> what are you doing? Right. <coughs> you know, which. And Brutus is just like, you're awesome. What? Right. So which again, horrible. We're, we're reinforcing it. And what's interesting is that for some people, like cutting and self-harm and things like that, um, there's a weird thing that can happen that it it has a very it can have a very paradoxical effect so like people who are frequent cutters can sometimes describe like almost a euphoric feeling from it which is very opposite of the feeling that most people get from harm um so it's it's a very like that's a big rabbit hole to fall down um but Absolutely, this idea of like, look at how dedicated I am. I'm going to stab myself, and then having someone be like, "You're great." Obviously, it's going to reinforce the behavior. Yeah, yeah. It was, oh, I was just like, "This is not good." No. Is- and that's the thing is that like that was obviously a strategy that she was using to try to show how dedicated she was, for mm-hmm. which for most people would be off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, most people would be like. Maybe. Maybe not. Let's let's maybe take you to I regret hospital. everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. I regret everything. Yeah. So yeah. Alright. Well, well 
hopefully there's a modern day Porsche out there getting some help. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <coughs> you know, and if, you know. So I'll be thankful for we're not in ancient Rome. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with, you know, thoughts of self-harm or things like that, absolutely, you know, call a crisis line. Um, 273-TALK is the national line. You can Google it. Um, get yourself to a hospital if you need it. Crisis text line, 741-741. Um, those are free and they have a lot of resources, you know, if that's something you're struggling with. Um, please do not stab yourself in the leg to prove that you can keep secrets. Please get help. (laughs) Please get help. There are people here to help. And I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you for talking about Portia with me. You're welcome. Thus ends another episode of Breaking Bard. Join us next time when we really will discuss the source material for Macbeth. That episode will be up two Mondays from now. If you don't want to miss that or any other future episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review and sharing it with your friends. For more Shakespeare fun, check out my blog at ripegoodscholar.com or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at ripegoodscholar. That's it for now. See you next time, and remember, our court shall be a little academic, still and contemplative in living art. <laughs>